0: And so I just want to go ahead and get ready to get into our message. Amen. All right. So let's uh, look in the text. We, we did Exodus chapter 3 and we finished Exodus chapter 3 last week. And what I want to do this week is I want to continue uh, into Exodus chapter 4 to, co- to complete this two parter. this two-parter um, call. But what about? Okay, so the you know the name of the name of the message we already got is but what about part two? And so, hey, I see you too, Mr. McKnight. <laughs> One of my site directors uh, from Five Thousand Role Models is uh, just popped in, and so uh, we're, we're going to jump in and see. Uh, but what about part two? But we're going to Exodus chapter four. I'm reading from the NIV. Exodus chapter four. I'm reading from the NIV. So let's read. It says. Um, Moses answered. Remember, he's been having a conversation with God and God has been trying to tell him what he expects of him. And Moses has been like, "But what about But what about? And so let's move into chapter four. It says Moses answered. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? It's a microphone, but i talking to me right now. Um, a staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, the Lord, this, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hands inside your cloak." So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, his skin the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs and listen to you, Take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who made them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant. He's coming. Lord, please send someone else. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Amen? All right, so what we're gonna do from this text, like I said, is we're gonna preach, teach the message. But what about part two? Okay, and so let us pray. Lord God, I want to thank you. I praise you right now for your glory, for your for your opportunity. We have to come together to hear your voice, not my not my voice. Nobody is interested in my voice Lord. we are tuning into to church online. We are present with you in this place because we want to hear your voice. And so I pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to receive exactly what it is that you have to share with us this day. Uh, This moment for our call, for our purpose, for our lives, Lord, I thank you that you have created this one moment in time, this one day that never will be repeated, so that we can hear you, we can be with you, and you can speak to us. So Holy Spirit, speak. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, your children are listening. So, Lord, I pray that we would receive everything with Wisdom and welcome in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So the first question I want to start out with, I want to start with this, with this thought, with this question, and it is: Have you ever felt like you were talking to someone who was not listening to you? Have you ever felt like you were talking to somebody that was not listening to you? Uh, raise your hand, make an emoji. Yes, yes. If you ever felt like you were talking to somebody who was not listening to you, like you're sharing information, you're trying to get feedback you're trying to say something important and it just seems like they're not paying attention. It seems like they're not really with you. And it could be anybody, but I, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell on myself because I know I have felt that way, but I'm not. that's not really telling myself. You know who I know has felt that way? I know my wife has felt that way, okay? I know my wife Erin has felt that way, uh, that she was talking to me and that I wasn't listening. Well. How do I know? Well, I know that my wife is a sports fan and I am a sports fan, but I won't watch games. And my son Ethan is a sports fan, he raised his hand. Uh, And so I I won't turn on a game very often. Uh, And the reason is this, if I turn on a game, you are not talking to me, okay? If I turn on a game, I don't want you talking, I don't want you speaking, I don't want you bothering me because I'm focused on the game. But my, so what happens is my wife will turn on games. My son will want the game, he, NBA playoffs, March Madness. They want to watch the games, and 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 I try to get them to be diverted to something else. But they'll turn it on, and, and once it's on, I'm locked in. Do y'all understand? I'm locked in. I cannot look away until there's a commercial break. I need to see everything. I I can't do replay. I need to see it. And so my wife will turn on the game. And then try to ask me some questions. So, what do you think? What do we need from the grocery store? Woman, I don't even know you right now. All I know is the Celtics are down. I need them to play harder. Why did they just pass it to the other team? They need to be stronger with the ball. That's all I know in that moment. I don't know what we need from the grocery store. I don't even know what your name is at this moment. All I know is the game. The game. My son's watching with me. If he gets in front of me, I'm like, move out of the way. I can't see the whole screen. I need to see the whole screen. So I I know, and this is a joke, it's funny, but it is true, honestly, it's really true. Uh, But uh, that there are absolutely circumstances in my life, in your life, where I am that person where somebody is talking to me and I'm not really listening, okay? So focusing, like kind of shifting and getting a little bit serious, just a little bit. I know that there are times where I'm trying to share something important with somebody and they're not paying attention and, and you're real. I'm really breaking it down. I mean, you could talk about preaching and how people don't pay attention with the preacher's preaching. Uh, and, and I can understand, you know, especially if you're not a, a mature listener yet because you want to be entertained or whatever, uh, but you know, whatever is whatever, like, you know, we, we are TikTok now. It used to be bad before, but now, goodness gracious, like uh, we have a, a attention span, it's like this. but. I mean, if you're trying to share something important um, and they're right there, they are right there with you. They may even be making eye contact, eye contact, but just something is not computing with their feedback. You ask them a straight question and they're delaying. It's taking them too long to answer you. It's taking them too long to respond in an appropriate way. Or maybe they're not answering at all. They're just giving you that blank stare. Or they're giving you them one word answers or not even one word answers. Grunts. Uh-huh. Yeah yeah you know just like they're they're there with you but they're not there with you at all have you experienced this at work at work you're talking to a co-worker you're talking to somebody in your classroom you're speaking to one of your peers and you're telling them okay so what we need to do if we're gonna this project is due this day and we got to do blah 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 and, and they and you're they're there with you but they did not hear a word you said or at home my wife typed in the comments the kids like you're telling them something and then you ask them what you just said and they have no idea what you just said. It's like it was like you were speaking into the air for no reason whatsoever. Uh, and so uh, what about, one of the worst places to feel like someone is not listening to you that we deal with in everyday life is a drive through. You get there, their whole focus is supposed to be taking your order. And you say, okay, so i like a My wife likes a two cheeseburger meal. If we're gonna get McDonald's, she wants a two cheeseburger meal. No onions, no pickles. My son Ethan wants a six piece McNugget Happy Meal. Um, He hopes he gets the Sonic toy. Um, He wants Knuckles or Super Sonic or what. So we're getting there, right? We're getting in there. And, And then they're like, I'm sorry, can you come back? Or, I'm sorry, can you come back again? I didn't hear that. It's like, seriously? I don't even remember all the stuff that I said. I gotta go back and check my notes from the text message that somebody sent. I need you to be paying attention, that's your job. right? So I think we've all experienced work, home, customer service, whatever, where we've been talking to somebody, trying to make sure they understand, trying to communicate an important message for us or an important message for them, and it does not go well. So when I think about this, right, what are you, what, does a word, any words come to mind? I, I'll say for me, for me, the word that comes to mind is patience. The word that comes to mind is patience, like how much patience does it take to deal with bad listeners? How much patience does it take to deal with somebody that is not paying any attention to the stuff that you're saying, but you need them to hear you? Amen. So when I think about that, of course, I'm preaching today, right? And so I'm praying today. And so I don't want to just reflect on other people and their issues with listening. I want to think back and and see like, what God, what do you want to say in this? And so if I'm thinking about how much patience it takes to deal with bad listeners, I'm also having to think, well, how much patience does it take for God to deal with us? Woo, Jesus is sweaty. I'm sweaty. Like how much patience does it take for God to deal with us and our bad listening, our ignoring him, our focused on games instead of the word of the Lord, our desire to do things our way, even after he said clearly what the, the blessed way is ways or the highways, like how difficult, how much patience, how much blessed assurance must there be in God that he still talks to us even when it seems like we're not paying attention? Amen. Um, and so the question is like, do you listen to God? Do you listen to his word? Do you read his word? Are you purposely seeking out those instructions, that encouragement, that correction or redirection that comes from the Bible. Are we listening to God? Because the word is always there. I mean, you got the Bible and all these translations and all these languages. And so there's no excuse for any of us not to engage the biblical word, the logos, the logos. There's really no excuse for us not to be engaged in the Bible. And so, we, you know, when we say, when I ask, you know, are you listening to God? Like there's one there's one area to check right there. Are we making time on a day to day basis to hear the word of God that is written that we have direct access to? Right. So there's the written word. But then there's the spoken word. Are we listening? Do we listen to the voice of God? Through the preached word, through that that worship song that is so anointed and and given a direct message, through that uh, prophet or that spoken word that somebody has been put in your path to share with you, that encouragement, that redirection, that nudging voice uh, or the voice of God, literally you're hearing him speak to you. Do we listen to his voice? Do you listen to his word? Do you listen to his voice? Do you, and then once we're listening, this is key. This is key in any discussion where there are two different opinions of what's happening, right? Do we listen to understand what's being asked of us or spoken to us, or are we listening to respond? Jesus. I feel like I said a whole mouthful there because I have dealt with and deal with, and sometimes it's me where I am dealing with people and speaking to people And they're not listening so much to understand what I'm saying to them as much as they are trying to come up with a way to defend themselves against the challenge that's been issued by me speaking to them. Um, They're trying to make sure that they can still feel righteous and good about themselves and like they don't need to correct anything about their behavior. Uh, And and sometimes it's me. Like I said, sometimes it's me. But there is that challenge where some of us want to be right so bad. Some of us want to be right so bad that the moment the conversation turns to correcting or directing us, that we want to shift it in a different direction. We want to shift the attention off of us. We want to shift the the attention back to the person that's talking like, maybe you're wrong. Maybe you aren't the one that's clear. And so we have this this situation and, and God is dealing with us as we deal with this each and every day. He's speaking to us each and every day and each and every day. We are swinging the pendulum between obedience and rebellion, obedience and rebellion. I'm paying attention to you. I'm not trying to hear nothing you have to say. Uh, And and we're swinging on that. You understand? It's a difficult and challenging thing. Uh, And so when I think about God and his patience, I, I can only say thank God that he is slow to anger because we are quick to act up. Amen. Thank God he is slow to anger because we are quick to act up. We are quick to decide that we're not listening. We are quick to be people that do, are, are rebelling or moving in a direction other than the one that God has called us to. We're quick to do that. And so I thank God that he um, is patient with us. Even in his patience though, even in his patience though, I wanna make clear something, and that is that God, when he's speaking to us through the word, The written word, when he's speaking to us through his voice or actions or confirmations or whatever it may be. He's bringing us back to reality. He's not reinforcing our fairy tale. Okay, he's bringing us back to reality. He's not reinforcing our fairy tale perception of faith. And so in that, I I talked about this last week in a fairy tale, the supernatural happens to serve you. You know, you've got the, the fairy godmother that comes to make sure you have the right dress or the right clothing. You've got somebody who is, you know, these supernatural people that are giving you three wishes um, and, and so you can have whatever you want. And there's some moral lesson that shows up in there. But in, in this fairy tale logic, the main thing that we got to understand is that fairy tales are focused on self. Fairy tales are focused on you. OK, and, and God is not interested in a, in a fairy tale faith. Uh, In fairy tales, excuse me, in the kingdom of God, what happens is God sends the supernatural to us, through us, imparts it to us so that he can work through us. In the kingdom, the supernatural happens, so we serve God. In fairy tales, the supernatural happens, so it serves us. But in kingdom, in the kingdom of God, and, and thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the kingdom, the supernatural happens, so we serve God. So when God shows up, he's here to bless us, but he's here to bless us and then bless through us. Bless us and then bless through us. And so when we go back to the text that we're looking at right here, when God showed up for Moses, he blessed through Moses. He blessed through Moses. His whole intent for Moses was, okay, God says, I'm here. If you go back and look at chapter three. I'm here because I hear the cry of my people. I want to see them saved. And so Moses, you go save them. I'm going to bless and empower you to do that work. That's what God does. He doesn't say, okay, I've empowered you so that you can live your best life. And I, and I say that because a lot of us think best life. And the only thing that comes to mind is self-centered success. Selfish ambition, when you think your best life, you're thinking about how much money you can earn, you're thinking about your health, your wellness, you're thinking about you, that's great. I want you to take care of yourself. I do want you to love yourself. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself, so I want that as yourself to be a healthy one. I want you to love yourself in a healthy way so that when you love your neighbor as yourself, that's a healthy love. But at the same time, I wanna make sure that we understand that when God saved us, he didn't just save us for us. He saved us so that we will become part of a people, part of a people that would then be the body of Christ and then be ambassadors for Christ, make so we can so he can make his appeal through us. So he can reach people with his name and his power through us. That's what God wanted to do, and that's what his word teaches. And so I think that when we look at Moses, we have a situation where we can relate because God will tell us stuff. God will say a lot of stuff to us, right? God will say things to us uh, uh, and we'll we'll hear Holy Spirit. We'll see it in instruction. We'll see. We'll read it. Uh, we'll know that there's a, a, a goal, a desire, a, a process for us to go through. And at the same time, we'll just be. But what about? 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 questioning God, thinking that we're going to question God into submission and that he's going to choose to do something different entirely. It's not exactly how it works. And so last week uh, we looked at the first two questions from chapter three, starting in verse 11. The first one, um, the, the first question Moses had when he was having this burning bush experience and the Lord said, "Okay, you are going. You're going to set the people free. His first question was, who am I that I should go? Who am I that I should go? And the Lord didn't say anything about who he was. All God said is, I'll be with you. Amen? He said, I'll be with you. And the second one was, Oh, well, who do you who do who do I tell them sent me? And the answer was, I am that I am. Tell them I am sent you. Tell them the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Tell them that he is the one who sent you. Amen? So he had these questions um, about his own worth and his own word. And God said, OK, no, your worth is because of me. And it's not your word. It's my word. And so tell them it's me that said, it. OK, but he wasn't done questioning God. Jesus, how many of us are not done questioning God? Amen. How many of us? Like, so let's be real. Let's be real. Let's be real. We are not done questioning God. As we learn more and more about him and his nature, we are asking more and more questions about what's happening around us. We're asking more and more questions about the evil that we see. We're questioning more and more our own calling. We're questioning more and more what he wants us to do, who he wants to be. Are you sure you want me, God? Why me, are, What about somebody, what about doing it this way? What, I mean, that would, that would really require me to sacrifice a lot. What about if you had this thing happen? A lot of us spend a lot of time questioning God. And so we can learn something. Holy Spirit can teach us something right now in this moment because of what we see Moses going through. And so I'm definitely not saying... That this is a one for one parallel that what what God is telling Moses is the exact same thing he's telling you because he's not called you to set the Israelites free. That was done thousands of years ago. What he's telling us to do is follow Christ. And what even the apostles tell us to do is imitate us as we imitate Christ. Follow us as we follow Christ. And so what I'm imparting us to do is follow me as I follow Christ. And and learn from this word as I learn from this word. And and follow your anointing as I, follow this anointing, this charge, this calling, this church, this mission. As God points us in a direction, I'm going to walk in this direction. I'm going to try to lead us in that direction. Follow us in that direction. Amen. Put some in the comments if you say, if you agree with this, do so in the comments. So let's look at the third question that comes up in chapter four, verse one. So he just answered the question, who do I tell them sent me? And then he told about the whole plan for what was going to happen. Okay, and so told about the whole plan, verse one in chapter four, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? So Moses has been told, God, God has said, I'm going to be with you. When I tell you what you're going to do, I'm going to be with you. That's what he said first. And then he said, tell them that I sent you. Tell them that I sent you. OK. Third question is, well, what if they don't believe me? I'm going to tell them. I, I, I mean, at this point, he's entertaining it okay, you told me that you'll be with me. You told me what to say. You told me what's going to happen. What if they don't believe me? Jesus. You ever had something important to say and you've questioned whether or not the people would listen to you, whether or not they think you're credible uh, because of your age, whether or not they think you're credible because of your past, whether or not, whether they think you're credible because of your status. Maybe you're not as high up as others. Uh, Maybe you're not in the proper position. You haven't been promoted. And so you're wondering like, are, like God, I know I have a word in me. I know there's something you got to say through me. But what if they don't listen? What if my parents don't listen? What if my children don't listen? What if my spouse won't listen? What if my siblings won't listen? What if my best friend, what if they won't listen about this relationship? What if my boss won't listen about this guidance? I know he's my boss, but what if he won't listen when I, I know that you're telling me something? What if they don't listen to me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they don't listen? So what if they don't believe me? Is a question that Moses is asking. And in verses two through five, God provides his first answer. And he says, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? What if they don't believe me? What's that in your hand? God is a master of misdirection. Like I asked you a straight up question And I just like, it's almost like these politicians. Well, what do you think about our pursuit of uh, relief and global warming? And it's like, well, I think that uh, I have an agenda and a plan to address many different issues. Just uh, just answer the question, God. Just answer the question. I said, what if they don't listen to me? Why are you asking what's in my hand? And so we got to have a patient approach when we're listening to God. Uh, that that that'll, that'll preach within itself. We have to have a listening ear. We've got to be patient when we're listening to what God has to say to us. OK, so. Verse two, he says, uh, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He says, a staff. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Well, just threw it on the ground. It's the first thing he has done. <laughs> well, not the first thing. It's the second thing, because he took his sandals off. Uh, this is the second thing he's done without protest. Uh, everything else has been questioned, but he threw it down. Okay, he throws it down, and then uh, it became a snake, and he ran from it. Makes sense. I would run too if something I threw down on the ground became a living animal. Like if I threw my clicky, my clickety clap pencil down on the ground and it became a centipede, I'd be scared too. Amen. All right. So it uh, it becomes a snake. He runs from it. Then the Lord said to him, "Reach out your hand and take it by the tail." I don't know what you know about snakes. But the most dangerous place to pick up a snake is by the tail. You want to pick up by the head, near the head, because the grab that tail, they whip around and, and bite. So uh, that's what he tells them. And he does not So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you so what do i see here what i see here is god saying if they don't believe you i will use what you have as a sign whatever you have i will employ that to confirm that which i've sent you to do and so what do you have what testimony do you have What evidence do you have in your own life that God has worked? What evidence do you have in your own life that God has delivered? What evidence do you have in your own life that God is powerful? Because what he's saying is whatever is in your hand, I can use that. I can use that for my purpose. All you have to do is submit it to me. And so I'm worried about whether or not they'll respond And what God is saying is that I have the power to take whatever you have and do something with it that will then show that I am the one that sent you. Amen? Amen. So that's the first thing he does. But then it continues on, verses 6 through 8. Verses 6 through 8 say, Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak. And when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become white as, as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. And so I wanna take that verse six through eight real quick and it was six through seven really and just focus on the idea that he's he's taking a staff and says okay I'll use I'll use what you have the second thing he says is I'll use who you are I'll use your very body I'll use you it's like okay so if they won't believe this first sign where there's some confirmation from the evidence around I'll use you I will take your body I will take your life I will take your your actual life, not even the evidence, but I'll take your actual life, and I can use your actual life, your actual body, the things that have actually happened to you, the things that you are, and I can use that to show people that it's me that sent you. in the face of opposition, in the face of difficulty, in the face of doubt. I don't have to do that much. I just can anoint you and you are king, David. I can just send you and you are the Messiah, Jesus. I can just send an angel and proclaim your future. And then when you're born, you're a Nazarite, Samson. I don't have to have a, I don't have to display something through an object. I can display something through your life. Amen. God can display that he sent you through you. And so that's what I see. That's what I see as evidence. And I see it happen over and over again. And that's what we're saying in response to that question. Well, what if they don't believe me? Let's look at that next question. Because in verse, uh, verse 10, Moses responds again. Verse 10, Moses says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon me, servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. So now what he's doing is he's just trying to lean on what's wrong with him. Talk about what's wrong with him, what's not proper. Uh, You know, I can't really talk that good. My words don't come together the way they they should. You know, how many of us had a fear of public speaking ever? Uh, Public speaking is one of the top three fears of all people uh, in the United States, at least uh, people who have been surveyed. Um, Public speaking, uh, I think heights, but whatever. Public speaking is one of the top three fears in America and so Moses is being real American here saying, you know, I don't know if I can speak real good I, I, I haven't been able to talk before. I can't talk right now. You know, what am I gonna do? God has a response for this as well. So the focus of Moses's protest here is his shortcomings now I've asked you well, what are you what, what's gonna happen? what if they don't believe me? Okay, I've answered that question and so now Um, I'm not even necessarily focused on you anymore, God. I'm back to me. I started out with, well, who am I to do this? Now I'm back to me and I'm saying, well, I'm looking at me and I can't really speak that well. I have an issue that I think would hinder your purpose. Jesus. How many people have issues that you believe would hinder God's purpose through you. Let's be honest, let's be honest. How many of us have issues? Like we think that because we can't do this or because we have done this or because we have this issue, that God can't use us. That God can't mold and shape and, and design his purpose to flow through us. That he can't get glory out of our lives because of mistakes that we've made and shame that we hold issues that we had. And so God's response is a powerful response. And in three words, his response is, I created you. I created you. Let's look at what he says in verse 11. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? You're saying I have trouble speaking. Who gave you a mouth? You're telling me the creator of all things That you have a problem, like I can't fix it. That's basically what he's saying. And that's basically what he's saying to us when we do the same thing. Uh, He says here, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? He says it's me. When we're looking at our shortcomings and our situations, and we go before God and say, Well, God, what about this? I'm this, I've got this issue. And and God will respond to us Well didn't I make you? Didn't I make you? Didn't I create you? Didn't I know that you were going to have that issue? Didn't I know that you had an issue? Didn't I know that you were weak in this area? Didn't I know? Didn't I know? The word teaches in the New Testament It's in our weakness that his strength is made perfect So of course I'm choosing you And I'm choosing you to display my power In an area where you are weak OK. And so he says, I created you. But then in verse 12, he says, now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. God provides the solution. God provides the solution. God provides the solution. And so we are struggling with our own self-doubt. Moses is struggling with his own self-doubt. And God's response to him, and God's response throughout the Bible, when others, when, when we, you know, his response to Gideon, his response um, to Paul, his response over and over again is a response where he's saying, I can prepare you for the work that needs to be done. The victory is mine, saith me. <laughs> the victory is the Lord's. And so, because the victory is the Lord, because the battle is the Lord's, and the victory is the Lord's, I'm the one. I am the one. I am the one who is uniquely qualified to do this thing through you. Okay, so saying I can prepare you. And so he's basically eliminated every excuse, (laughs) every excuse Moses can think of, every excuse we can think of. God has an answer for. And so what does he do that sometimes we do? Moses tries to opt out. Moses tries to opt out. Inver- and the fifth question he asks is basically, uh, so I hear you, God, but uh, what about just make- give it to somebody else? <laughs> what if I have somebody else do that thing that you call me to do? What about you have? like?" And-, and now notice, this is what he says in verse uh, 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant. Like, pardon your servant. I know I've been testing your patience. I know I've asked a whole lot of questions. But pardon me. I've heard your answer. <laughs> But please send someone else. Please send someone else. Please send someone else. You know what's unique about this comment? Number one, he's not really asking a question. It's still the kind of what about. What about sending somebody else? What about I'm not the right guy? I don't think I'm the right guy. You know what's also unique about the situation right here? This is the first time in the whole interaction. The whole interaction it shows God got mad. It's the first time. The first time. In verse 14, it says, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. He was happy, not happy, but the Lord entertained all his questions, all his doubts, all his fears, all his shortcomings. Every issue he had, he heard him out and provided an answer And the thing that gets him angry is the fact that even after all of that, Jesus, even after all of that, Moses says, well, can you just choose somebody else? You choose somebody else. And I think we can all relate. I think we can all relate to this because there are many times in my life and I know there's many times in your life where God has selected you for a task He has given you, the. he has empowered you and equipped you to do it. And then you just kind of like, "Eh, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will speak up for those people that don't have a voice. Somebody else will give that person a sandwich. Somebody else will speak reasonably to this person. Somebody else will pray for those people I don't like. Somebody else will love their enemies. Somebody else will turn the other cheek. Somebody else will do the thing that I know that you want done, but... and I know you want me to do it, but why not send somebody else? I know you you want me to change the corporate world, Lord. I know you want me to bring your presence into the sphere of education, Lord, but why not send somebody else? Why not send somebody else? (laughs) Even then, y'all want to know what's crazy? Even then, God's response is to, Not send somebody else instead of Moses. It's to send somebody else with Moses. Look what it says here. Says, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you. Talk about anticipating your response." He is already on his way to meet you. How did he even know where Moses was? Moses has been gone for 40 years. How did Aaron know where to meet Moses? And so Aaron, the Levite, I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. So now, not only, like you said, can you send someone else? I am sending you someone else. Now you're you're going to see. What you, what you see if you, as we read through the rest of the Bible, the rest of the Exodus, is that Moses would probably regret that decision. He'd probably take that back because the first person to fall off once they get into, <clears throat> once they get out of freedom and they've escaped from the Egyptians is Aaron. <clears throat> Aaron that can speak so well, like Chris Rock used to say, Aaron that can speak so well also has no integrity and so as soon as Moses leaves and goes up the mountain Aaron authors and organizes the building of the golden calf so Aaron can speak so well that's what you're afraid of right that you can't speak I got somebody that can speak he's coming right now now you gonna have to be the one to charge him but I got you so God's saying I'm, I'm, I'm mad that you still question me I'm mad that you don't want to go but I'm not letting you off the hook I'm just going to send help. I'm going to send somebody else that can help you carry out this task. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful God that he doesn't just smite you for your refusal to help. He doesn't just strike Moses down. What he does is he's like, OK, OK, word. OK, OK. So you don't want to go. You don't want to go. You want me to send somebody else. I'm going to send somebody else. Are they going with you. You still going. I'm going to send somebody else with you. Send somebody else with you. So it's still going to help. And if you look in verse 15 through 17, not only is he going to send somebody to help, verse 15 through 17 says right here: 15 through 17, uh, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff, this staff I already told you about, take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it, amen? So, you you wanted me to send somebody else, fine, I sent somebody else to go with you. I'm still gonna prepare you, I'm still making you the point person, you're still the lead of this team. You're still the one that's accountable to me. You're still the one that I'm blessing. You're still the one that I'm using. You're still the one that's going to confront Pharaoh. You're still the one that is leaving this comfort zone that you've been in for 40 years to go do something that nobody has ever done. Confront a Pharaoh face-to-face in the land of Egypt. Be the instrument of deliverance as a solo act. Before there were any judges, before there were any kings of Israel, there was a Moses. And God sent this reluctant, refusing question, but what what about dude in order to bless and free all his people? Isn't this awesome an awesome demonstration of God's love and patience and a preview of how how it would be done when Jesus would come? A Jesus that interacts with us on behalf of the Lord, on behalf of us with the Lord. A Jesus that uh, came to earth and was a willing vessel, willing to speak on our behalf, willing to heal, willing to confront the powers that be, willing to do the hard thing, willing to bless, willing to confront and face death, willing to be crucified, willing to be crucified in order to rise again. So that we could see thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Without Moses' begrudging obedience, Israel would not have been free because God chose Moses. Without Christ's obedience unto the cross, we wouldn't have Holy Spirit because Jesus is God. We are in a position right now to overcome our issues, to overcome our obstinance, to overcome our reluctance, and to overcome our isolation. Because God is willing to, through his grace, through his peace, through his love, he's willing to still send us out with the people that we can accomplish the task with. Amen? That's a powerful, powerful thing. And as, as I close out, closing out now, as I close out, when I when I think about this, that there, the, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. When I think about that, I'm thinking about us. Like this is not a fairy tale. This this ministry, this just being a believer, this trying to lead a church is hard work. Whether you're talking about being a pastor or whether you're talking about being a lay leader, like somebody who is just trying to be the best lead usher you can be trying to be the best example of giving you can be, trying to be the best family man, family woman, be the best holy single person you can be. This is a challenge. But it's a challenge that God has not sent us to do alone. Where God sent Aaron to be a helper for Moses. Because Christ left, God sent Holy Spirit to be a helper for us. And so... I'm challenging and my desire is that we would pray that God would take us even through our reluctance to be instruments of his mercy, his power, his love and his deliverance through what's going to be based right here in this freshly painted facility. (laughs) God is good. So I want us to pray. I'm asking you to pray that God would use us as instruments of his mercy. His power, his love, his deliverance, with the efforts based right here, based on this Facebook page, based on a YouTube channel, based in a website, but springing out from there. And I'm not just asking you to pray; I'm asking you to commit your effort. I've mentioned a couple of times that we're going to be um, that we're going to be soliciting. Uh, people to begin coming uh what's the word i'm looking for it's just soliciting those of you that are connected to us to begin uh becoming a part of the team come part of the team have an assignment uh be be accountable to somebody within the team to help us prepare for the launch and what i've heard a lot of uh, being reported to me either spoken directly to me is kind of like a a lot of, yo, when when we get started, I'm gonna, I can't wait till we get started, I'm looking forward to when everything's back on track, blah, 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 and it's like, so, I appreciate it there, those of you that are excited about what's going to happen once we launch. I'm excited that you're excited about what's gonna happen once everything is done, and we've launched out in September, and we're doing public services and all that, but we're already in this boat together. And my challenge, my call is that you would stop waiting for when the work is done and make yourself available through your giving, make yourself available through your service, make yourself available through your attendance, online or in person, make yourself available to be part of the team effort now. We will we, we'll need you later, but to get to later, we need you now. We need you now, we need you to be engaged now, we need you to give now, we need you to step up now, we need you to to choose now. And so, I I don't have the link right now, but what I'm gonna do is like, we're gonna divide this up into parts. We have come, connect, serve, share. These are our four pillars, uh, and, and the areas where we can serve in the church are all aligned under those four pillars. And so, we've got come and connect, this week, we will be sending out a leak. Really, today we'll send it out. But this week, we're focusing on um, come, which means everything that was related to Sundays. Ushering, uh, info desk, setup, breakdown, parking, um, all of those things. Uh, worship, tech, video, all, all the stuff. All the stuff that is related to Sunday worship and all the stuff that's related to following up with guests and small group hosting and all those things, we I'm sending out a survey and I'm asking you to check off the boxes where you're willing to serve. We're gonna send it out today in the Facebook group. We'll send it out today in text and church. Uh, we'll even post it uh, in our Instagram wherever. We're gonna do that today. We're gonna to send that out and I'm asking you to pick up your O R to pick up your O A R to pick up your O R to to uh, say to let us know how you're willing to help us. Get from here, the unfinished, to there, the public launch. So I'm asking, I'm asking everybody, uh, because we can't, we can't do this unless everybody that's in the boat, we can't do it the way God intends to do it. Let me rephrase that. We can do it, but we can't do it the way God intends this to be done unless everybody that's in the boat picks up an oar and is rowing together. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to send those links out. I'm going I'm asking you to respond. I'm asking you to respond. The the enemy thrives on disunity. The enemy thrives on our willing our, our desire to to carry these things out like Moses like, "Yeah, you know, I know the church needs so and so, but what about this? What about I want to do that? What about I'll just wait? What about th-? like the 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 enemy thrives. It's the only one that benefits when the church refuses to come together is the enemy. Um, Well, not just the enemy, the world. The world does not want to see the church church thrive in its mission for Christ. The world does not want to see the church uh, make inroads in the community. The world doesn't want to see that. What the world wants to see is a church that is weak and lame because they refuse to come together and put in the work. Because they know if they can keep us consumerist, the world knows, the enemy knows, if they can keep us as consumers, they can keep us from making an impact. Because we'll only be focused on what we want. And so I'm asking you. And I'm also asking, I'm employing you to pray. Like I had, like I said earlier, I had a conversation with our contractor, and this is what's happened. I talked about some of the opposition we face and some of the discouragement, some of the challenges that we face as, as individuals, as a church, with the renovation and some of the lay. Like, a lot of the stuff that we don't see right now has already been paid for. It's already been paid for. So, like, ceiling stuff hanging down and not, you know, you don't see the ceiling grids in, that's already been paid for. Um, flooring, it's already been paid for. A lot of the stuff has already been paid for. Why don't you see it? I'm glad you asked. Um, sometime within the last month or so, Uh, a person that works with our our contractor that he has worked with and has known and trusted for 20 years, for 20 years, ghosted him with one of his trailers that had a lot of his tools and resources and some of the money that he had paid him, ghosted him, okay? And so, He's a contractor, and these subcontracts work out. so he's got other people that work for him doing other projects. Uh, and so he's hurt. he's been hurt. He's also had his own health challenges, and he's had to travel out of town for family emergencies. And so he's a real person, not just a, you know a plug- in you know money into the machine, and then the building comes out. He's a real person who's been going through some real things that we've had conversations about, but the most recent thing is this. Is that he has had to he's trying trying to reconcile what has happened to this person that i trusted and have worked with for 20 years the only thing that i can think of is the enemy's opposition and my prayer for, for the situation since he can't get in touch with them he won't answer calls he doesn't know exactly where he lives so he can't locate his stuff and locate the person is that I, i'm praying that this is foolishness this is not and not a fatality i'm praying that i'm hoping that the guy just something's wrong with him. something went wrong and, and there'll be a way to reconcile I'm praying that he didn't pass away or something like that. Uh, But that's the the struggle. That's the issue. That's one of the things that has delayed the progress of the work. But as you can see here, like with the painting, and if you were here, you'd see that they have a whole bunch of stuff like that. They slid to the middle uh, so they could do the painting in here and the painting in the lobby. Uh, And so we got the chairs organized in a very interesting way. But um, I want you to pray. The enemy, the world systems, do not want the church to be successful as a whole. They don't want our church to be successful. And so we need to pray against the enemy's influence, um, the enemy's work, uh, and pray for God's will to be done. He has brought us this far not to see us fail and not to see us like struggling and crawling to the starting line. God has brought us this far because he intends to do a work through us. There will be a blessing to all the people that we're able to contact and touch in this community. So we need every single one of us to come together in faith and in prayer. We need every single one of us to come together and be ready to serve. We need every single one of us to come together and be willing to give. Fine, you know, you, you haven't given, you, you just, you know, you, you haven't, uh, you're not tithing, you don't feel like you're prepared to tithe. Well, give something. Give something. Because there's some of us that you know, tune in every week and you're blessed and you, you know that God is moving through the word that you're receiving and you know that God is moving through you in the fellowship that you have and, and you've yet to contribute anything financially. You haven't sown into the ground. So you're with us, but you're... Are you, are you with us? Because the only way, like if you've ever played on a sports team, the only way I know that you're with me is if you're sweating with me. The only way I know you're with me is if you're practicing with me. The only way I know that you're with me is if I see you sacrificing, I see you um, giving it your all. It's the only way I can really tell that you're with me and not just taking from me. And I'm not talking about me personally, but the, the way that the church is supposed to work is God has established us, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, To equip the body to be mature and do the works of the Lord. And so part of that maturity is understanding I got a part to play. And like Moses, God isn't going to take that responsibility away from me. What he may do is give me the help I need, but it's still my part to play. And so I'm praying and asking each and every one of us to really plant yourself. Really plant yourself. Don't just be a consumer. Really plant yourself. You've been with us weeks, months, years. Plant yourself. Plant yourself with us. Amen. I'm going to close out in prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you and praise you for this day, for life, for health, for strength, for love, for your mercy. Lord, forgive us for any sin that is on our heart and on our conscience right now. Lord, forgive us for any sin that we may have committed and may not even be aware. Lord, bring it to our awareness. Lord, help us see what we don't yet see. Bring us clarity, bring us understanding. Empower us to walk with you. You sent Christ to to pay for all of our sin, Lord. The penalty is paid, Lord. Lead us to walk in the freedom and liberty of Christ. Lead us to walk in a way and live in a way that is truly thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lead us to walk in a way that demonstrates love for you, love for each other, love for our neighbors, love for the city, love for the purpose and mission that you have assigned this local assembly. I pray you bless each and every person watching, every person here, every person listening, every person that will be able to access this message, Lord. I pray you bless them. Just be glorified. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, family, I just want to thank you for tuning in today and we're closing out.